Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Chad Reed, VP of Marketing at JotForum. Chad, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. It's great to be here. I'm excited. So, great. So tell us all about JotForm. Awesome. Yeah, JotForm is the easy way to create and publish online forms without needing the help of a developer. So imagine a registration form or an application form, contact form, order form, survey, you name it. You've probably interacted with JotForm dozens of times and not even realized it. We're all over the web. But yeah, we make that process extremely easy. Uh, we were founded in uh, 2006, 15 years ago, and we now have more than 10 million users globally, as well as 300 employees dispersed among our offices in two countries. So it's your job to tell the JotForm story and, and to get the word out to your to your tribe, to your people. So who is your audience or who are your audiences and what's your main challenge in getting their attention? Yeah, I, it's the trickiest thing. I've been a job form for six and a half years, and that's still one of the trickiest things that I have to answer. And, and the reason is there are so many different audiences for mm. job form, which actually creates quite a, I mean, opportunity first, but challenge second, where it's every type of business. It's every size business. It's not even just businesses. It's nonprofits. It's volunteer groups. It's schools. It's churches. It's summer camps photographers, it's the solopreneur, and it's the Fortune 500 company. So, And it's every use case in between. There's not a specific way that in which people are using JotForm. It's it's very, very broad. So audience identification is is tricky. I mean, I think we have a good pulse on who some of our predominant users are. You know, we, we see trends. But but as far as nailing down who the JotForm user is, that's hard to say. I think we, we made an assumption early on that it was it must be developers that are that are using this because they just want a faster way to create forms. Because even if you have technical knowledge, creating an online form still takes time. It's still tedious. But more and more, it's really people with people like myself, frankly, with uh, with no tech, technical expertise whatsoever, who still want the benefits of an easy way to collect information. So yeah, short answer is there are a lot of different audiences. Um, it really depends on the type of year. I think when uh, when we're creating marketing campaigns, we tend to, to do them seasonally or or dependent on, on kind of what's happening. So I think we in twenty twenty, for instance, we, we put a lot of emphasis on reaching healthcare. Frankly, you know, mm. as as these healthcare practices were switching away from paper out of necessity and needed a way to collect patient information in a, in a way that was going to allow for telemedicine. JotForm kind of kind of fit into that fold. So through, you know, when things like that happen, obviously we, we put some focus on, on different users, but yeah, a lot of a lot of audiences. Okay. So that's yeah. interesting. On the one hand, that's a good problem to have, right? You know, your product has broad appeal and you have all these different audiences. On the other hand, for a marketer, that makes things more complicated. Right? Each audience has their own specific needs and desires and maybe channels that they prefer and ways to connect with them and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and frankly, it's as we've added more features and, and different products, and kind of built out our the suite of what of what the capabilities of JotForm. It's actually only complicated uh, that part of it because we've we've introduced new market segments as we've made our our product more advanced. So you know, like I said, no 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 complaints here, but it definitely is a challenge just because we we have to find messaging that that can attract multiple audiences. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned healthcare as as one seg- segment, especially during COVID, that kind of emerged, and you and you put a focus there. So 
How did you go about learning what really matters to that particular audience when it came to what you have to offer? I think just like we would with any of our verticals, I apologize, my cat decided to jump right in front of my future, as she's going to do. Well, probably won't be the last time she does that as she's gearing up to jump on my lap again. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, I, I think we're the best starting point with with healthcare and with other our, our other audiences, honestly, is our support forum. And I think we have the benefit of really having a lot of data around what our users are asking for. And I think it's just a luxury of having so many users. But we do get, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of feature requests through our support mm. forum and then that kind of informs our product team's decision and then we build use cases around that so you know in the case of healthcare last year i, I should take a step back to we, we were particularly well positioned last year because we had previously launched hipaa compliance and that was not something that all of our competitors had but because we were hipaa compliant we already had you know a little bit of an inroad to healthcare workers uh, or health, mm-hmm. you know, the healthcare industry so we were able to get feedback from real, real users about what they were looking for, and then we used that to inform some, you know, some new product advancements and, and, and integrations that we we launched last year. But you know, getting that that live or that continuous feedback on our on our support forums sure helped a lot. And then mm-hmm. we also actually have a, a full user research team too. So and they're tasked with really doing deep dives with individual users and really getting an understanding of, of their pain points, what their businesses, what they're actually looking for. So it's, it's, it's good on a micro and macro level, depending on, you know, kind of information we need. Okay. Right. Yeah. That sounds really valuable. So, and, and again, within the world of healthcare, who are, who are the decision makers that ultimately you're trying to get in front of? With healthcare, healthcare specifically? Yeah, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. It depends so much. It, it really depends on the size of the of the institution. You know, if if it's a small medical practice, it's really the sometimes the doctor themselves. Sometimes it's the the the, the administrator. It's you know, it, it's it's something a little you know a, a little smaller scale. Whereas a, a larger hospital, it's going to be someone in the with an IT or information or security in their in their title who is really mm-hmm. more of a decision maker on a, you know on a more enterprise level. And it's far different than even though the use cases might be the same. Maybe if they're all still looking for uh, patient intake forms, the decision maker themselves varies basically by the the size of the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that's for anyone in marketing knows, right? If you're doing B2B, this is really the nuts and bolts of it. Figuring out who exactly is the decision maker, what what do they really care about? Sure. Who, who do they, who's on their team and what kind of advice are, are they getting, right? That's kind of like when you get down into the nitty gritty of this kind of marketing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And And it's what's interesting and kind of fun about it, I think. Yeah. No, it definitely is. I think we, we we've... So more recently, we launched an enterprise version of job form, and this is just two years. It's really kind of in its infancy, but but certainly hmm. growing. And that's giving us a different look at. We actually have a sales funnel now, where where before it was subscription. People people come, they create a username. You know, they don't uh, necessarily talk to anyone at job form on their en route to doing that. But enterprise is giving us a whole whole different level of data on, on who, who someone is. Now all of a sudden we have their title and they're speaking to people and we're understanding their needs. And obviously the needs of an enterprise level company are going to be different than, than a smaller one, but it's, mm-hmm. it's giving us a clearer picture certainly of personas. 
Okay. Oh, that's cool. So as a company, you guys are kind of entering into that enterprise phase, dealing mm-hmm. with longer sales cycles, and that pre- presents a whole uh, new suite of challenges for you as a marketer. Definitely. Yeah, no, it definitely mm-hmm. does. So what would you say, let's talk about that a little bit in the enterprise realm. What would you say is an example of a strategy or a marketing campaign or anything that you say has worked pretty well so far? You know, in enterprise, it's the marketing funnel is basically the same as it is with the subscription tier. I think that we we haven't necessarily done a lot of outbound marketing versus what we've, what we've traditionally done already. So the people who are finding, you know, finding, turning into enterprise leads uh, are typically coming in through SEO. And the the same applies with our free product or our our bronze, silver, gold pricing tiers where SEO has has been a big, big driver. And I, I should backtrack and say Mm. not just SEO, but very, very deliberate content marketing that that's yielded you know, thousands and thousands of users and, and educated a lot of people about what we offer. And that's something that we really, really doubled down on two years ago. And for anyone that's done com- content marketing, it's it's a slow burn where it's not going to yield a, a lot of business right away. But, you know, sometimes some pieces of content that you, you created nine months ago will all of a sudden just start rearing their head on in search engines and, and then, you know, turning into users and you can, go back and tweak and optimize and put in calls to action where on underperforming blogs and, and uh, the whole bit. And mm-hmm. I, I will just tell you, it's been a prodigious effort. It's not, uh, it's not, Oh, you know, let's, let's write more blog posts. It really is more, let's hire strategists and let's hire yeah. people who can, uh, you know, even just do the, the, the functional work of getting the blogs on the site with proper tags and, designed assets mm-hmm. let's hire full-time writers let's have a project manager and editor who can manage the flow of all this work and let's mm-hmm. find really capable agencies to partner with for to fill in the gaps of what we can't do internally and then let's also find uh you know capable freelancers that we can trust and, and pay well and, and and you know do a long-term work with as well so it, a lot of touch points to to grow mm-hmm. the content marketing, but we, we've refined our, our process to the point where we think we're, we're doing it really well at this point. And then ultimately that's, that's where we get both enterprise mm-hmm. leads and, and new users for, for our, our traditional products as well. Awesome. That's great to hear. I mean, that, and that is the way that you do it for content marketing. Like you said, a slow burn. It's not just yeah. put a couple blog posts up there and hope for the best. It's that this is a long-term play. Yeah, it is. And, and frankly, with no guarantees. So even if mm-hmm. you, know, you don't, it, it, you kind of have to, it's sort of a numbers game because you can't just bank on the one, one great piece of content and hope it does well, because frankly, it might not. Yeah. And we've, we've certainly invested in pieces of content that, that fizzled out and, and didn't uh, materialize the, you know, into the, the traffic generator that we wanted it to be, but then others have, and, and it's really just a, a matter of production, high quality and production. And, and that's very resource intensive, but worth it. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So Chad, final thoughts. What's something that your colleagues in marketing and communications can start doing uh, today right now to really improve their content marketing? Yeah. You know, it, video, I, I think video is, is really underutilized. I think we, in the past, we, we've underutilized it, but we're, that's kind of our next frontier as far as what we're, what we're planning on tackling as a, as a marketing department. But it really, 
there's a lot you can do with it, frankly. It, it, may, it makes your engagement on social media a lot better if you're able to repackage videos. They, they can be really effective over there. YouTube is clearly its own effective channel and, and can be used extremely well. Videos that are embedded on some of these content pieces and blogs will increase engagement and make people stay on the page longer, which ultimately gives it more credibility in Google's algorithm's eyes and, and the whole suite of benefits. So... Yeah, I mean, I think if for anyone who's taking content seriously, just needs to think broadly about what what all content entails, and, and certainly marketing, not marketing, video is a big a big part of that too. Great, great advice. Well, Chad, thanks a ton for a great conversation. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. That was fun. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.